Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 59 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on November 9th, 2016 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86. Alongside me, we have the flowery voice of Justin Sane 0516. Justin, how have the uh, how have the drops been for you this week? A few and far between, but to be fair, I haven't played as much as i'd like but yeah we we got to do some raiding um and i did go up a few light levels so nice better than usual yeah cool we also have with us the infamous wind of the stars mel how's uh how's the iron it's not been too bad uh it actually to 400 so that was good um, but yeah, so all I needed was a, a shotgun or not a shotgun, but a special and a heavy. And I actually got both of them last night in the very first couple rounds that I played. So I was happy with that. So, nice. but yeah, it's been pretty good. Nice. All right. Well, the topic of today's chat is going to be the Vanguard mentor to all those cuddly titans out there and the Vanguard commander himself, Zavala. Before we get into that, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes. In our last chat, we took a look at the Warlock Vanguard mentor, Ikora Ray. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to all our various other pages. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing as well. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Wednesday at about 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. There is going to be a slight shift in our schedule starting this December. Due to some schedule conflicts and a desire to actually be functional at our day jobs, we're going to be moving the live stream of the podcast to Friday nights. We're still start up around 10 p.m. Central, but hopefully this will give us some more flexibility for not just ourselves, but also for any guests that might be in different time zones as well. This means that instead of the audio hitting Podbean and other sources on Thursday morning, it's going to be available early Saturday morning Central. So please let us know if you have any thoughts or concerns on that change, either through Discord or an email to focusfirechat at gmail.com. Um, in Discord, you can feel free to send myself or Justin or Mel a DM. Uh, probably just send them. Actually, just send them to me because um, I'll be able to concatenate. <laughs> so please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts on the Guardian Radio Network, found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. These include Guardian Radio, the official podcast for the Guardians of Destiny, Guardian One, and Ghost and Echoes, which also has the Destiny audio grimoire. Our next chat's going to be a discussion on the Master of the Crucible himself, Lord Shax. With that, let's go ahead and explore the lore that we have about Zavala. Mel, would you uh, like to take the the point? Yeah, so our first one, uh, Grimoire card, is uh, Titan Vanguard Commander Zavala. 
Uh, and this is what the quote says at the top. This is Basho knew we struggled after undated battle notes. Zabella has never sh- sh- shied away uh, from hard decisions. His life bends under the double weight of honor and duty. Each act of service more exhausting, more victory, more costly. Zavala continues anyway. He has never had time for anything softer than iron. So, yeah, just our basic introductory card for our wonderful Titan Vanguard, Zavala. And it just kind of states that he is very, he has one purpose in life. And he takes his job very seriously. And uh, he's, he's to me, it just, it, it also just sounds like that stereotypical soldier that we all know that he is like he t- he takes his his command extremely serious and very very military like uh blue um yeah i was gonna say here we also this is the first indication uh for those who haven't been standing around him in game and have caught this other part but this is the first indication that he is actually very very well read as um, from a historical point of view, the Basho that he mentions is most likely Matsuo Basho, who is actually one of the most famous poets of the Edo period in Japan. And he was very famous for his haikus and things of that nature. And he also, Zavala, also really does uh, paraphrase Sun Zhao in idle dialogue and in some of the other quotes that we're going to get into. Um, he, he quotes them on that. Uh, there is uh, the multiple references to ancient Roman uh, generals and dictators that he has throughout the game as well. Uh, the Fabian strategy or Fabian strategy. Um, the uh, Vitruvius Mark is two of the ones that come to mind off the top of my head. Um, so he, Zavala is very, very, very well aware of the historical context of earth. Um, the other thing that I did want to point out is his role in the Vanguard uh, we, we get introduced to him, and the first thing that most people notice is that he is not a Vanguard mentor. He is a Vanguard commander. Zavala is actually the leader of the Vanguard. He is the one that is the one-to-one, ra- or one-to-one communication bridge between the Vanguard and the Speaker, uh, he usually probably will, he, in most cases, it seems like he takes point when they're talking to the consensus. Uh, other than that, really, his big role is the overall defense of the city and just in general military strategy against enemy forces, both internal and external. And it's important there. That, that's something that's important is it's not just external enemies. Uh, he actually is against internal enemies. So any device or any any. Civil war rumblings, mutiny rumblings, uh, the factions. You will will talk about his approach towards the factions a little bit later as well. So he he's not just concerned with external threats. He's also very concerned about internal threats. Um, the other point that I do want to make is we actually do know what armor he is wearing. It's the Jovian Guard armor. A lot of people have asked, uh, you know, where does he? What armor is that? That is actually a PlayStation exclusive armor. Um, and the only thing that is noticeable there is that he does have that Vanguard mentor symbol that we were talking about with Ikora uh, last week. He also is a, a bearer of that mark. So, Mel, you want to jump back in? Um, 
Yeah, it was also interesting. The actual name Zavala is was an, a surname from Salisa that actually means it's derived from uh, Zav. I'm going to butcher this really bad. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, Zawanda or yeah. Zawada. Zawada. So, which means yeah, and which means obstruction, fortress, obstacle, or impediment. So it just lends more to the fact uh, to the the idea that he is that the titan he is that 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 mm-hmm. the, you know the the protector titan he wants to protect everyone he wants to make a strong fortress and yeah i think it was interesting that his name is derived from that because you see that a lot through destiny a lot of names have meaning behind who they are so i thought that would be interesting to add on yeah no and uh it's yeah it's it's Silesia, Silesia which is actually in central europe uh it's mostly in poland and it mm-hmm. is not a very it's it's a small area. Not a lot of people know a bunch about it, but especially during the World Wars, it was actually a pretty violent area because it was right on that budding point between Russia and Germany. Uh, mm-hmm. two, two powers that you don't want to be caught between when they're both going to war at each other because they both did not hesitate to, to uh, do some very not nice things to the people caught in between. I'm just like, I don't want to get too in detail there. There's, I mean, go, go look at the history of Silesia. Uh, it's a very, there was some very, very bad stuff that happened there. Um, but yeah, that is the surname from where Zavala is derived from. Uh, it's, is it- no, go for it. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was no. going to say, I, th- I think it's interesting that it's from that specific region because when in, isn't that kind of where we're guessing where the European dead zone is yeah, right now? Too? Yeah. And that was, yeah. I was going to say that too. Um, it's act- so it's actually a toponym, uh, which is a, it's basically a, a name that's direct. So some, uh, okay. So historically what happens <laughs> with surnames is usually it is in, uh, explaining what you do like a profession. So, uh, common names like Smith, uh, you know, that, that was a name for a blacksmith or, you know, Miller, Miller, that is a Miller, like, like, or, you know, and that's kind of what that was. Toponyms are a bit of a, a variance on that in that it's a surname for someone from a geographical area that's derived from a topological feature. Uh, basically this is a very mountainous area. And so there was, there was obstacles and impediments to travel in this area. And that's where that surname was. So, um, someone who carries the surname you would know would be from this geographical region. It's, it's a different way of a naming convention. Uh, basically different cultures obviously have different processes of, of assigning names to things, but so that's, that's what it actually is. It's, it's a toponym from someone from that area. And the interesting thing here is while it is from a central Europe, a region, the surname was first seen in the central region or central Europe it's actually more well known for Mexican or uh, South American, especially in the Mexico area. That's where a lot of people actually recognize it from. Uh, there's a lot of pe- there's a couple really big names, and I don't have them at hand. But when I was looking through, a lot of them were from South America, and so that was it was it was an interesting juxtaposition for me on that research note. But yes. You want to, Very cool. so, uh, 
do we want to move on to yeah let's the, let's grab guard of, of which he is the commander yes uh so this is an this is a card of an outdated currency. Um, we used to have Vanguard marks, Crucible marks, um, all these different currencies. They kind of consolidated all this into legendary marks. But this is the card for Vanguard marks. When a terrible threat rises, Guardians look to the Vanguard, the closest thing they have to command structure. These elite veterans coordinate the reports of roaming hunters, the analyses of cloistered warlocks, and the instincts of grizzled titans into a single plan of action. And when guardians fight as part of that plan, the vanguard rewards them. Vanguard marks are, ter- are tokens of favor that earn a trusted guardian access to the tower's armories. Listen carefully to the rumblings of Lord Shaxx, and you might come to believe that this system was meant to keep vital warfighting supplies from being wasted in the Crucible. Talk to Commander Zavala, and he will reassure you that the Vanguard Mark system exists for one reason, to get the best equipment into the hands of those who get the best results. Guardians eager to win Vanguard Marks would do well to participate in strike missions organized by the Vanguard. Just an incentive to make you do strikes. Yeah, uh, and and here the the main reason that I thought this was really relevant um, is because of that line there. Zavala is saying that it's fair. The best weapons will go to the people who get the results. If you don't get the results, you won't get the marks, and you won't get the weapons. So it's it's basically a way to assign a fair assignment of resources to those who deserve it. But which I guess will actually kind of lead into the next card that I wanted to, to read was the strikes introduction. And there, it starts with a quote from Zavala. Um, It says, there are threats that must be faced with unfettered aggression. Are you ready? And that's from Commander Zavala. Our enemies hide among our lost worlds, plotting to ensure our extinction. But the Vanguard keeps a vigilant watch on places where the creatures of the darkness grow strongest and seeks guardians bold enough to join forces to face them. So the the point here is that a lot of people a lot of people like making jokes about Zavala, about hiding behind walls and being cautious. And not being a a man of action. And I actually completely and absolutely disagree with that notion of his personality. Zavala is not someone who hides from a fight. Zavala is someone who waits until the moment is right in which he can cut your throat in one shot. He's, He's basically the person who waits for the perfect moment to attack because again stemming from the art of war he doesn't want to waste his efforts he doesn't want to waste his energy he he doesn't have the resources to waste in a war of attrition which is kind of humorous given that the weapon of titans is the fabian strategy but his entire thing is he doesn't want a drawn out battle he wants to end it as quickly as possible and that being the case, 
that's where the unfettered aggression comes from. So I, I and I'm, I'm going to be making that argument a little bit throughout the, the pretty much the entire of this podcast. Uh, there's a lot of quotes from Zavala that point to that being the case. So I'm going to Mel, you want to grab uh, zone control? Yeah, totally. So zone control and the quote on it is only one path to victory guardians from Lord Shax. 6B6 team engagements. Seize pre-select advantage points and dig in to defend them against the opposing team. Zones under team control score points over time. Sometimes holding your ground is all that matters. A rare concession to Commander Zavala, Shax offers up this variant of control as an exercise in battlefield terrain acquisition and defense. Lay claim to the ter- territory, go shoulder to shoulder with your allies and keep it yours. Either Titan would tell you your best defense is a flawless defense, but take note. Cade 6 might just point out that sometimes that works the other way around. So this, what you were just talking about, how he's very precise and he waits for the right moment to, Mm -hmm. as you say, slit your throat. This very much, I think, also adds more to that claim that he's saying, like, hey, we're going to sit here. We're going to wait. Give our have the best defense is sometimes the best offense, and is kind of how exactly what he said, but um, but yeah, he's definitely lays and waits. Uh, definitely um, not a striker titan, I would imagine in my mind. <laughs> right, and I mean we have uh, there's there's some interesting quotes from uh, Saint fourteen actually for the defender titans that are not very defensive. Like there's there's parts of there is a point of a Defender Titan that is not just simply, hey, I'm going to make a wall and stand behind it. It's they are the wall. And that sometimes means that they have to go on the offensive. But most of the time they need to be on the defensive because their entire job is to protect their teammates. And that's that's another thing that for Zavala is a very, very big, big point. You're a team. You're not an individual um, that's running around you know, willy-nilly. You are part of a team and you need to you need to play that part. And if you play that part correctly, the entire team succeeds magnificently. If you don't, sure, you might survive, but it's not going to be as great. So, Mel, I, I know you had I know you have something. Uh, yeah, just on the note, talking about Defender Titans in general, I mean, when when a Defender Titan in game, when you you deploy that special it's kind of almost like a mousetrap. Like you lay and wait for someone to, to be stupid enough to come in and try to <laughs> oppose you while you're in your bubble. Like that's just bad news bears, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, it's very rare that you can go in there and then you can open up another special, you know, either mm-hmm. being lightning or, or maybe blades if you're, if you're risky enough. But I mean, and even in just uh, PVE content, Anytime you pop that bubble and something comes in, and generally when that bubble is out, you're, you're working as a team. It's a vital, vital strategy to defeating whatever enemy that you're trying trying to defeat against. So, um, and then the little perks that you get off it, either blessings of light or what or, or weapons of light, you know, you you become stronger and you work together as a team. Justin, yeah, yeah, I was just gonna say though the the defender titan can be used offensively 
with just what you just mentioned, the the weapons of light, mm-hmm. you can use that bubble as an offensive tool. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's not like that's a tactic you would use to just pop a bubble, sit and wait. You know, that's that's when you're being mm-hmm. very proactive in that you're dropping a weapons bubble, you're dipping in and out of it and you're doing damage, you're doing all these things. And that's a very common a common uh, strategy in the raid. Um, mm-hmm. But I love this card because Lord Shaq starts it out saying only one path to victory guardians. And then they end up the card saying, yeah, Shaq's and Shaq's and Zavala <laughs> say you can do it this way. But Cade says it's the other way around. So there's actually more than one path to victory, but yeah. So, I, I mean, I do see Zavala as a defender, but I don't think that that necessarily makes him a camper. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. No. Just a strategist. I see him definitely yeah, yeah. more as a oh, strategist. Oh, yes. I don't yes. think he puts his pants on. It's not planned out. <laughs> is he one of those guys that, like, lays out all his little oh, armor bits and, like, yes. all his outfit for very the next meticulous. day? <laughs> I, can see, I can see him being as very a very meticulous individual. Almost OCD, I think sometimes in my head canon. I don't have anything to back that up, but I can I, I can maybe see that, yeah, to a degree. Mm-hmm. But we'll we we'll, so, we'll get into that. Having said that, let's move on to one of our. I think the first story mission yep. is it a restoration. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a quote from Zavala. Taking down an Archon is no easy task. With the Master of the Fallen Servitors gone, the House of the Devil, the House of Devils will scramble to protect the Prime Servitor, and securing an NLS drive will let you join the fight beyond Earth. Mind the Speaker's wise words. I believe he speaks for the Traveler, Commander Zavala. I, I felt it's very weird he had to say that last little bit. I think I he's thought emphasizing that was pretty it. widely. I felt that was pretty widely accepted. <laughs> well, I think it's more of uh, his belief. Well, well there's yeah. a quote. Um, do, do, do. There's a quote. I'm trying to remember which one. There's It's one of the talk to the Vala quotes, and I'm trying to find it. But I can't. I don't have it right now. Um, but there's there's actually a comment in which your ghost basically talks about how um zavala has become you know in the time that we are running around in the tower uh he has become more passionate about what he in and how he actually believes what he preaches and so i think that's kind of the point here is that he's starting to kind of kind of reiterate his his belief in what what the city stands for and um we'll we'll definitely get into this bit later as well um but you know Ikora had <clears throat> Ikora had the light in the darkness thing that she kept bringing up over and over and over Zavala has one of those as well and it's called the dream dream of the city and uh it's it's an interesting it's an interesting little thing that he has that will, I, I, I'm looking forward to talking to that one, but real quick, I just wanted to bring in, uh, the ghost fragment, the city age. This is, this is, you know, when I was talking earlier, the, the defense against internal threats, right? This is actually kind of a case of that being 
shown. Um, this is this is a transcript of a meeting among the consensus, and most people will probably remember that the consensus is formed of the three major factions: the Vanguard and the Speaker. So there's five aspects of it. Uh, the three major factions that we are aware of are Dead Orbit, New Monarchy, and Future War Cult. Now, the thing is, is that Future War Cult was not always part of the consensus. This was uh, not not actually in place until s- somewhat recently. We're not really sure how recently, prior prior to our Guardian, obviously, being there. But they used there used to be a, a faction known as the Concordat that was actually part of the consensus. Um, this is the end of the concordat's placement in the consensus and actually the indicate the point at which the future war cult is brought forward so again this is a transcript from that meeting and it starts with and so it is agreed the concordat shall no longer be recognized among the consensus we'll begin the dismantling right away but what of those guardians who have pledged for them we can't afford any more banishments there's a response of, I'm sure Zavala can see their realignment. We'll do our best. Lysander chose his followers wisely. It may take some time. Lysander will not back down. He'll continue his crusade from wherever we stuff him. And so we'll need to find some new ideas to replace his. The symmetry has been gain- gaining a strong following. Ulantan's teachings are too dangerous. Too much fear. Who knew he'd be more troubled dead than alive? We'll need to refocus our collective minds on combat. The speaker's anxious to reground, regain ground we lost after the gap. There is the war cult. Too secretive. Have you ever tried to talk to one of their soldiers? Like a child, answering questions with questions. They are dedicated to the war. Which one? Good question. Zavala? They seem focused, strong, more interesting than worrisome. Let's take it to a vote. All in favor of the ascension of the future war cult? Unanimous. Good. We'll grant the future war cult access to the tower and a seat among us. Ghost, please offer the speaker this proposal. Now, on to the next order of business. Shax is here with another proposal for his crucible. (laughs) So, obviously Shax Shax, has... has a, a number of proposals for his crucible. Um, but the point here is Zavala actually supports the future war cult, not because he aligns with their faction, but actually because they are dedicated to war and dedicated to battle. So yes, that they're basically no there just to fill the gap that the Concordant left. Well, they're that- yeah, they're there, and they and if you know and if you know the history of the Concordat, the Future War Cult's a little bit more level-headed than the Concordat. Yeah, um, exactly. Lysander had Single-minded. a yeah. Lysander had a very big bone to pick with Osiris and some of these uh, some of the speakers. I think teachings mm-hmm. and stuff like that. He he was, I mean. Okay, on Bannerfall, which is where the Concordat and the New Monarchy last battle really went down, you actually see the Concordat sigil or symbol, and it's a fist mm-hmm. pushing down. Mm-hmm. If that if that gives you an indication of you know what they believed in, it's a fist pushing down. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, uprising is a fist pushing up. You usually don't see a fist down because that's kind of a sign of a dictatorship. So kind of gives you an idea of what they replaced. Also, the last line, Shax is here with another proposal. <laughs> I get to see Shax coming in like those guys that always are trying to pitch these really sad campaigns and everyone just is like, I just can't it. He comes in with his little diagrams like, okay, okay, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. I found, what out, if? I found out that the warlocks <laughs> have a new form of soccer and it's really explosive. <laughs> it's called um, Rift. <laughs> and does anyone else notice that the speaker attends these meetings via proxy ghost? Yeah, I, I, not well, surprised. I'm not surprised at all. I, I get the feeling that the speaker is really kind of the first among them. Um, and so do you I even think, think that's? I can't even really imagine that Zavala, Ikora, and Cade really want the speaker there to know literally absolutely every detail. Because I can, yeah. I can see that there's probably some things going on. They're like, you know, we're not going to let the speaker know about this. Mm-hmm. That's probably not mm-hmm. a good idea. So I, I can imagine it probably was something that was agreed upon early on. They're like, no, 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 no. You stay in your tower. We'll stay in ours, and then we'll send you an email be a ghost but um (laughs) you always picture the speaker as part of the consensus correct yeah or well the mouthpiece of the the consensus consensus. i always picture him as the mouthpiece yeah but no he's not the mouthpiece he never says anything he's the speaker but he yeah he can't be this mouthpiece no (laughs) (laughs) then why call him the speaker it's it's mostly an honorary title mel (laughs) <laughs> mostly an he never All right. Said duty. <laughs> so, so Z- Zavala. Yeah. Moving on. So, yeah. The, 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 the Iron Banner. Iron, and so the quote on the Iron Banner Grimmer card is as following. Only the strong are welcome here. And that's from Lord Salon Forge, hero of the Twilight Gap. The Iron, the Lords of Iron, ancient warriors of the city's founding, have no time for mollycoddling. The city remembers Felwinger, Jolder, Scory, and Timur, Radagast and Galeon, and the others for their invincible patrols during six fronts in the wall building. The Iron Banner asks guardians to live up to that legend. Lord Saladin, once Shaq's mentor, runs the Iron Banner tournaments to strip crucible weaklings of their illusions and prepare them for a battle with no concept of fair play. The Iron Banner tests a guardian, and the guardian's gear is in a definitive, rentless mock war. By order of the city consensus and the speaker, Saladin and Shaq's cooperate in admiration, and the Iron Banner is technically a component of the crucible. In practice, Saladin keeps his own schedule, his own reward, and his own territory in the tower. Now and then, some tra- someone tries to get Zavala, Shax, and Saladin to sit down for dinner and sort out their differences, but they remain as awkward, as stubborn as State 14's skull. So um, definitely we get a lot of the uh, information about what the Iron Banner stands for. But the most important thing here is that there's still some tension between Zavala, Shax, and Saladin. Like they, mm-hmm. you know, like if you said, if you sit them down in a room, they're probably just going to cross their arms and stare <laughs> at each other well, and not say anything. <laughs> yeah, especially Shax and Saladin. I think Zavala oh, is yeah. the awkward part of that conversation because like, Zavala, hey, hey, Z- hey guys. yeah, Zavala is the kind of like, 
he's the guy that's caught in the middle of like the mm-hmm. two, you know, there's the three best friends and two of them are like super pissed off at each other and they're not talking to each mm-hmm. other. And then it's Zavala's the one that's like, guys, guys, seriously, guys, guys. seriously, you guys are idiots. Yeah. Like just. <laughs> Can you just imagine Zavala's voice? All right, guys, we need to make up now. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, man. And and Shax and Saladin are just like, no, yeah. we don't oh, want him. Yeah. <laughs> He's stupid. <laughs> Shaq throws salad at salad. <laughs> I'm not going to take this slander anymore. Gets off and storms to Felwinter. <laughs> yeah, he didn't like it when we wore a mask around him, so I can't imagine that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he, and, he got really butthurt about that. Yeah, he, he did not like it. That is not funny. Um, <laughs> it was freaking hilarious, dude. But, uh, but Kate no, was wearing one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like K was wearing one of Eris. I love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my 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 Vanguard mentor is the best Vanguard mentor. I mean, wait, what? Thank you. <laughs> High five. If anyone argues that, they're just not very objective. Yeah. Well, well, pins pins in chat. Zavala suggesting a trust fall between <laughs> Saladin and Shax. You know, whoever's supposed to catch would just step back and go, "Oh, sorry, bro." Yeah, if the person <laughs> this, falling doesn't do fist, pa- fist of panic. That that's how Shax lost the horn on his helmet. They did a trust fall oh. exercise, and it broke. And that's literally why they don't talk anymore. He's like, oh. "Dude, you broke my helmet. Dude, you threw salad at me." And now that's why they don't talk. Like, to forget the, this that other makes, stuff. That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect. Did sense. this happen at a Golden Corral? Yes. What happened? Yes. What? Oh, we don't have those here either. I don't oh know what that is. Oh my gosh! All right, moving <laughs> moving on. Let's on. talk about Saladin. <laughs> Let's talk about Saladin Let's and Zabal. Our Iron Banner rep, Danny Glover. No, Lord Saladin. Um, a hero to the city and a legend in his own right. Saladin Forge led the city's defense during the battle for, for Twilight Gap. His protégés, Commander Zavala and Lord Shax, now lead the tower's vanguard and the crucible, respectively. Saladin remains close to Zavala, though his relationship with Shax has been strained since the Twilight Gap. The Iron Banner seeks great champions to lead the fight against the darkness. It was born to honor the Iron Lords and their efforts in the earliest days of the city. So, you can say that Saladin was the mentor of Zavala and Shax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And somehow now there's a rift between Shax and Saladin. Yeah, and a lot of and it it seems to stem. I mean, well, it stems from something that happened in Twilight Gap. Uh, a lot of people kind of hold that Shax disobeyed orders and ran forward in a counterattack. Um, we have we have a couple of theories about why that kind of did not go over well with Saladin. We'll definitely get into that. We'll definitely get into that next week uh, when we talk about Shax. Um, but the thing, the important thing here for this week is that Saladin and Zavala are still kind of buddy buddies. Like they're, they're still friends. Uh, so that was just to reiterate that point about Zavala's just the awkward one. He's not the stubborn one. That's not in this situation, at least. Yeah, I don't even like stubborn for him. 
I don't like calling him stubborn. I just I, like to call him d- decided. Yeah, deliberate. Deliberate. He's he's <clears throat> yeah. So that that kind of wraps Zavala up with Shax and Saladin. Um, so now I want to kind of open, and I kind of want to move to Zavala and one of our favorite peoples, Cade. <laughs> um, a lot of people recognize that Zavala is usually about at his wit's end when he has to deal with Cade. Uh, it's it's everyone is everyone. <laughs> kind of is at their wits end when they have to deal with Cade because that's just what Cade does but it it i i think that there's a re- there is there is a very very big reason why Zavala can't stand that and it again stems from kind of the deliberate very careful methodical process in which Zavala goes through everything and Cade does not um, and that brings us to the Dread Patrol card, in which it's a, a trans, transcript excerpt of a two-hour-long meeting between Zavala and Cade. So yes, Cade was probably running the Zavala.exe file the entire time, but <laughs> the quote is, Just have a hard time believing you take anything seriously. Placing patrol beacons was supposed to be a careful, meticulous process. I expected it to take the better part of a week. I don't mind you delegating the task, but you should have collaborated to make sure they were triangulated perfectly. Do you have any idea how long it took to deploy the beacon network in the Cosmodrome? That's the end of the quote. So, Kate and his crooked... Patrol yeah, well, beacons. Okay. Yeah, this as, good. as the guardian, as the guardian who kind of put those in place, we kind of <laughs> just threw them in the ground. Like we didn't. I, there was no triangulation. Mm-hmm. Really, he's like, eh, that looks good. Just throw it there, guardian. You're like, all but, right. But you can't argue results because they're spaced about like the ones on the dreadnought. Yeah, <laughs> like there's not much difference. But they're not going at a straight perpendicular <laughs> angle from the ground, Justin. Like, hello. <sighs> it's very important. Important is volume. And so then that brings us to it's, it's not a sundial. <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe it Maybe is. Maybe that's how they work. Maybe they're solar powered. I don't know. Anyway, so, so, the- <laughs> so that brings us to the next one that I have is the dreadnought. <laughs> Mel, I'm gonna like yep. take, but this is sure. just go for it. So this is a quote from Zavala. I'm in transmission to Traveler's Obser- Observatory, and it is as follows. And so that's the situation. With Kate's help, the Guardian has established a beached head on the dreadnought. I'm caught in the impossible position of wanting to reward and punish them both. If you have any guidance in this matter, it would be appreciated. I'll file another report this evening. For now, I need to go have another conversation with Eris Moore before she rends Cade limb from limb. So it's pretty clear <laughs> that he is livid with Cade and obviously our guardian because they just were just like, eh, 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 you know, whatever. And uh, he's upset. And Eris is clearly upset because we took her ship. So mm-hmm. Cade is just like yeah. ruffling everyone's feathers. And Zavala's yeah. was probably sitting there like face palming and shaking his head and like, ah, 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 ah. 
I don't know what to do. But with at the guy. same time, no like at the same time that he's like, you know, exactly. You can tell that he's just like this annoyed. Like he's just like, I want to slap you. But at the same time, he's still keeping the peace. Like, you know, he he's but, still he's still playing the peacekeeper between Eris and Cade. But that's not completely just because he wants to be a peacekeeper. He sees the value in what Kay did. Oh, yeah. He just doesn't yeah. appreciate the manner in which he went about getting it done. As far as Eris being mad about her ship, the hive turd that it was, <laughs> she could just get over it. She could find another one. Just go down to feel- the circle of bones. I feel bit. like Eris is getting the short end of the stick here. I mean, like, we we are pretty much calling her crazy all this time. We take her ship. We pretty much get it blown up. And, and then, uh, yeah, I'm just, I can see why she's a little irritated and why she She never flew to. it. No, yeah. Justin, Justin, just, Justin just doesn't like the hivey hiveness. Yeah, uh, the hiveness all over the yeah, front of that good. thing. It's just barnacles. Wall to wall barnacles. It almost it it almost feels like he Zavala has a really hard time saying these words. He's like, gosh dang it. I I don't want to admit, but but yeah, Kate and the stupid guardian did something good, but they did it all wrong. I'm gonna have to go redo it because it's not the way it needs to be Mm -hmm. done. You know, kind of like, you know, when you load the dishwasher incorrectly and the other person's like, you loaded it wrong. And they go and unload it and then reload it. Okay, I totally do that Continue. every single time someone tries to do that to my <laughs> Who dishwasher. Who does that? Totally Are you the follow? You can load, I you think can load the dishwasher wrong. Oh, wait. We, d- we determined that last chat that, yeah. that Blue is Zavala, Justin is Cade, and somehow mm-hmm. I'm like, I Cora. So there you go. <laughs> I think that was just default a default thing. I think both you and I are both Cade. I don't know who. Akkor oh yeah. Is. Oh, I know. I think. I think. I think we we each have our Cade moments more often than not. So, <laughs> poor boy. Okay, so you get double Cades, Blue. <laughs> so I yeah. I'm not. I'm not real sure about the makeup of Awoken Anatomy, but I think it's still called an aneurysm. <laughs> an Awoken one. Um, yeah, and that's what Zavala is having like 90% of the time. Um, so yeah, we want to move on, talk about my favorite sword. Actually, the only, the only exotic sword I ever bothered to get, which is the Ray's Lighter. Go for it. Next order of business, the Growing City Foundries. Bang! What madness is this? Lord Shaxx, the consensus did not. We barely eked out a victory at Burning Lake. And now you think we're ready to attack the moon? We're preparing. Did you not read my report from Burning Lake about the hive's weapons? Those swords, they're like nothing we've ever. Lord Shaxx, Zavala, you can't think this is wise. We need to examine these swords, train against them. That is a matter for the consensus to decide, old friend. Ever the stickler for procedure. Well, I think it's it's not just the fact that it's procedure. It's it's also just the way that this city, in order for the city to survive, the consensus has to lead. If you challenge the authority of the consensus, you risk you risk creating a rift that might not go it might not end you know you you think oh this is 
this is not the best way forward. Um, and so we are going to ignore the, the will of the consensus on this one matter. And, you know, it's a slippery slope. And I think that's kind of the logic that, it, that he had. That's kind of the logic I read. Um, that's kind of the logic I read here. I think that Zavala, yeah, little, little Shebear in chat says this as well. Um, I think Zavala does agree with him. I think Zavala agrees with Shax, but in order to support his, like in order to do his job, he is, he is the commander of the Vanguard. He is beholden to the consensus's will. You know, there's, there's a degree of which he's kind of got his hands tied and that's the politics of the position that he holds. So I think that's, and that's kind of the importance of this card is that he bows to the will of the consensus even when it definitely feels that he might not necessarily agree with the will of the consensus. So do we want to roll over to his, his response to Rasputin? Yeah. So this is, this is the card, the last array. And this is again, is a quote from Zavala. And he says, the terrestrial array was dead orbit's hope to reconnect to the lost colonies of our inner system. You succeeded where they failed. Though Rasputin seized control of the array, that only strengthens our resolve to break the old war mine's firewalls and enlist its help in the wars to come. We must reach Rasputin and make our case. So this is this is obviously the card that you get for the last array, the mission, the story mission in Vanilla. Um, but this is actually the response that Zavala has to the concept of Rasputin, uh, especially now that he knows that Rasputin is awake. He basically is like, okay, now we definitely have to go get his help. Um, and it goes, it goes a little bit further. Uh, we actually find out in this next card, just, you know, just what his view of Rasputin is. And, um, Mel, you want to grab, yeah, Mel, you want to grab that one? Yes. Um, this is the Fallen Saber card, and it is as follows. We've picked up a high-grain transmission. Origin point is somewhere along the coast, near the Cosodrome. Get in there, assess a threat, and aid Rasputin. A threat to the war mine is a threat to the city as well. Commander Zavala. So, just goes over again that uh, his 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 feelings on Rasputin, and he knows that Rasputin is someone that isn't going to be a valid. He'd rather have him on his side than not have him on his side. And so they they know that if there's any threat to the war mind, then they're they're screwed as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I also like this strike. When you defeat, defeat the fallen saber and the ghost you is carrying like on, strike? Oh, yeah. not to the play ghost, the ghost is like... the ghost lines, yeah, because he's like, oh, I get to I get to live in your backpack, and he's making a comment of that to Zavala, and Zavala just goes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I don't care, shut up. <laughs> so there's yeah. a there's a quote where he's totally like, we just to... we totally just killed the world or the universe's biggest shank. Amanda will be impressed. <laughs> It's like uh, <laughs> totally neglected to tell us there was a turbo shank down there when it goes Zavala. <laughs> That's what he sent us in. So that way, you know, if there's any threat, we'll take care of it. It's, it's Keep our assets alive. Keep this. them dead. 
So <laughs> you didn't keep my assets alive. My assets died a lot. Oh my god. Fabian strategy. Fabian strategy. First of all, there's nowhere safe in that room. Here we nowhere. Go. Here we go. Nowhere. And well, not until the very end when there's the snipers out. But the first part, the first two yeah, sections. Yeah, not until the end where there's a dead shank in the middle of the floor. That's the part where there's a dead. Yeah, that's that's when. But the other two place. ones, you have you have cover to to fight. I only have the floor oh. catches on fire, Mel. <laughs> Well, you don't stand where the floor is on fire and opens up. You go stand on the sides behind the cover, silly goose. Oh, you get a, you get away from the fire like your eggs. I see. Oh Just, my god, Justin Strats. <laughs> so, Justin continuing Strats on for the win. Uh, so, and moving on from Frank the Turbo Shank uh, to the Devil's Lair, another strike. Fallen will continue to claw at the walls of our city unless we strike them down. Beneath the ruins of the Cosmodrome, in the shadow of an old colony ship, we've located the House of Devil's Lair and the High Servitor feeding them with their strength. We must destroy this machine god and send their souls screaming back to hell. Commanders of all. Little did he know we'd have to do this like multiple times. <laughs> um, like how many times now have we killed this? The sucker? I don't know. It's been a few. Three? Maybe? We're uh, not counting two. anymore. That's Two or that's, three. Just kill it. <laughs> that's all he wants. Just kill it. Just get rid of it. The, okay. The main the main point of this quote is the fact, again, Zavala's not a passive person. I mean, he's, he's not, he's not, I mean, this is just another quote to point out that Zavala has kind of a a pretty strong feeling towards the fallen, especially. Uh, and that's also backed up in the scourge of winter card where he says, I will admit to a very personal satisfaction at the death of Draxus. He hurt my city and he hurt my friends. Few guardians have ever assaulted a Kel in the throne room of his own catch. The entire tower is abuzz at the chance to explore this downed winter ship. But more important, we've removed another fallen nightmare from our worlds. We thank you, Guardian. So, he he uh, he is not someone who just sits and doesn't doesn't do anything. He just. He just wants to do things that are well planned out. So, and to another another point of the, his his view of taking action is the Cerberus Vey three card. Mel, you want to grab that one real quick? Yeah, of course. Cerberus Vey three quote. Whether we wanted it or not, we've stepped into a war with a cabal on Mars. So let's get out, let's get to talking out their command, one by one. Valus Tarok, from what I can gather, his command he commands the siege dancers from Imperial Land Tank outside of the Rubicon. He's well protected, but with the right team, we can punch through those defenses, take this beast out, and break their grip on the freehold. Commander Zavala. He's he's always very to, to the point. He's like, this is a threat. This is what I want you to do. Go get it done. Like almost every one that we've been going yeah, through. The, the, it's okay, no, it's go not for colorful. It. No, yeah, he's it's, not. It's, it's not. He's, he's just like, like, he's so cut and dry, man. He's just like, do the thing. Report back to me. 
You know, like it's it's weird that there so far we haven't really gone too much into about him. Like it's just Zavala. Zavala. Blue. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I mean I I I agree completely. Um I was going to say the other interesting thing that kind of strikes me on this particular card is the Rubicon. Which, you know, the Cabal are very, very seemingly heavily based off the Romans. Uh, the Rubicon was the river of severe importance, especially for the Caesar uh, timeline. Uh, crossing the Rubicon was a huge event in Roman history. Uh, so I, I always found that an interesting little nod there. But yeah, this is, this is basically Zavala saying, here's an assassination order. Like... This this is like I don't I don't even care. Killed this one person. Like that's all I care about. Assassinate him. So he's he's not above sending in a strike team to do do wet work. And all. that must have been like very important for him because generally that's kind of delegated to like Kate to go take out certain people. Yeah. But yeah, this yeah, one, yeah. he's just like, no, no, no. It's coming straight from me. Yeah. You need to take this guy out. Do it now. You know? Yeah. No, and, that, and that's, again, like, he he oversees the military, you know, aspects of the the city. But he's usually the defense. Like, he's usually defense against enemies. So it's very rare for him to act. Yeah, I mean, I agree completely. It's very rare for him to be like, hey, that guy, that guy right there, F him. Kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Make um, him a splat on the ground. I actually, I actually uh, picked up something cool, but it's not Zavala centric. But so I'll be real quick on it. But um, this strike is called Cerberus Vey, and um, Cerberus was a uh, in Greek mythology was the three headed dog, the Hound of Hades. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fluffy. then the word, yeah, the word Vey. Actually, you have to go back to um, some pretty old languages, but it actually is a cognate with the English word woe. And when you think about it, Cerberus ve, the the woe of Cerberus, Rockets McRichard face, he had, um, <laughs> he had, uh, that was, he had three, three generals that we sclounced on the way to, uh, on the way to killing him, right? So I think that's the Cerberus was his three generals. The, I'm the sorry. two on foot and the one in the tank. <laughs> I have to give you so much kudos for... for <laughs> that was amazing. You you all know who I'm talking yeah, about. Oh, yeah. No, I, I know exactly. Oh, oh my gosh. That is a... That but yeah, yeah, I think that's a cool tidbit, though. Just about that strike, it has nothing to do with Zavala. Is It's the woe of Cerberus. Mm-hmm. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> Why don't um, we grab so Black Shield? How about the Black Shield? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. So this first part really confuses me because it's obviously not a Zavala quote, but it <laughs> opens up the card for Black Shield. The Cabal are too structured, too disciplined. Let's show them what fun looks like. Yeah, Kate said that. <laughs> I'm not Just surprised. Go ahead and lay that out there. Area designation, Black Shield. Location, Firebase Thuria, Phobos. Codename, Black Shield. 
This decommissioned firebase is believed to have been a key position used by the Cabal as they established their war base on the surface of Mars. With the majority of their forces stationed planet-side, Guardians have been able to claim Black Shield as a competitive training ground. Both Shax and Commander Zavala have questioned the Cabal's strategy, believing that forfeiting such a strategic position may one day lead the Cabal and Mars open to a proper defensive. Yeah, so. Yes, and the emphasis here. Is that a hint, is that a hint at a Mars raid? <laughs> the, uh, uh? the emphasis here was that Zavala and them, or Zavala and Shax both have the idea that this could be a potential weakness that they could exploit against the Cabal. So, again, he's looking at using a strong offense to build a stronger defense. Also, that map sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. Okay. She's okay with that. (laughs) She's okay. So that brings us to fleet base Koros on Phobos. And it's a quote from Holborn. It says, Thuria must be clear, might be clear, but it's not the problem Koros could become. So this is, and it says, discovered by Holborn's host in association with Lord Shax and a Red Jack fire team, fleet base Koros marks the largest known cabal orbital defense station in system. Reports have the fleet base under the command of the Triumvirate, headed by one Primus Ta'an, and his fleet battalion commanders Valus Tulorn and Valus Maul. The Skyburner fleet has yet to be deployed against the city, bringing Zavala the fear that the cabal have yet to launch their core campaign. So, the uh, the point there is, again, Zavala's view of strategy and actually his fear of the Cabal. He, he actually fears that uh, we have not yet seen the full weight of the Cabal Empire. Uh, there's a outbound signal, uh, which is another um, card. I didn't have it because it, it doesn't really pertain to really anything except to back up that fear. Uh, it's a report from dead orbit to Zavala. And it basically is like, yeah, they sent a, they sent a transmission, but we really don't have any clue where it went. So, but that, um, that is his views of the cabal. Uh, you want to run to, or you want to move over to his views of the Vex? Yeah. Uh, I just want to comment on the cabal real yeah. quick. I'm, I wonder if he fears the cabal because he knows how highly organized and regimented they are. And he doesn't see that in him, maybe his, his, the people that he leads. And maybe he sees the fact that he's not as reg- regimented and focused and everyone falls into place as much as he wants to. I wonder if he sees that as a weakness in his forces. And since there's a, the cabal are and obviously being very organized and everyone falling in line, everything like that is something that he is admires. So just something I was thinking of, but yeah. 
So uh, the next one is a little long. It's called Soul Progeny, and it's uh, Two Commanders of Vala and My Thoughts on Recent Events. And it's from Ikora. Um, it's a little long, and since we have a lot to cover, it just I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it real quick. Um, and it's just kind of pointing out that uh, um, that there's the, the bad news, and it's the end of the time of the victory. So um, and it has to deal, obviously, with the Vex and everything like that. So um do we want to elaborate any more on on this besides that? Um, Blue, did you want to elaborate just, any more on this yeah, one? Yeah, I just I I don't want to point out I, I I wanted to point it out not to point to a form of pessimism, but more of a form of a hyper realism on Zavala's part. Um, the exact line is, you know, she basically Ikora opens up the report with how like you how like you to ask me for the bad news even in this moment <laughs> of triumph. Um, she's uh, done that many a time yeah, too. and that's that's what i was gonna say i was like this is obviously something that um that has happened a number of times before and this is this is actually this is you know at the end of the vanilla storyline so we have defeated the black heart and this is i mean everyone is celebrating except for zavala zavala is immediately looking looking on the horizon saying what's the next threat is this thing going to come back? Is this thing going? Is this still a threat? Do the Vex? Did we cut off the head of the snake, or did we just cut off a head of a Hydra? You know, like he's he's immediately just rolling into the next the next fight, and he's trying to make sure that we are prepared for that fight. Um, and again, there's there's a couple of quotes from the Art of War that I'm gonna I'm gonna start talking about when we get into the you know our thoughts on all these cards. Um, you know, when we start recapping the chat. But that I, I want you guys to keep that in mind from this card. This kind of points out that Zavala's core person or core philosophy with regards to um, the 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 state of the city. Um, he he views himself. I think I kind of get the sense that he views himself as not having the luxury of taking a break. You know, he, he's carrying a weight on his shoulders that are that is very, very heavy, uh, regardless of if it actually is there or not. Um, I think that's the that's the sense that I get from Zabala. And a lot of his quotes kind of point to that, too, for me, at least. So, but yeah, I, I'll, I'll let you. I think it also points out that this is the reason why he is the commander, why he is leading everyone. Yes. Yes. You can't, you can't imagine Ikora or Cade or even the speaker or anything like that, you know, be sitting there and going, okay, what's our next move? Like we defeated this. Who else do we need to make sure is not a threat? Like you can't imagine any of the rest of them doing that. So, no, but do we want to move on to the next one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we can do the Crota's Bane card. Um, so this is kind of, this one kind of just points out the sort of the point of view of Eris. Um, Eris Morn is the sole survivor of an ill-fated raid on the Hive's Lunar Fortress. It was Eris and a ragtag fire team who, after the first charge to take back the moon, sacrificed everything in return of a search of the one the hive called Crota. Um, robbed of her ghost, Eris remained lost among the darkest shadows of the Hellmouth for countless cycles. Despite all odds, she endured, using the very dark she battled to emerge it, 
a changed warrior, driven, some would say obsessed. The speaker and commander Zavala find her compulsions a sickness, convinced she has been fully seduced by the shadows. Though her warnings of Crota and his power are often dismissed as madness, Eris returns to the shadows time and time again, operating as one of a core race hidden, a clandestine group of guardians, tasked with silently infiltrating enemy strongholds and gathering vital intel for warlocks. This kind of this card almost kind of shows you that the speaker and Zavala are all, almost they're in lockstep on this one at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that is, I mean, and I think I get the sense that that actually is probably pretty common with them, the two of them, um, regardless of if the speaker has the idea and Zavala just follows or not. I think that they at least present a unified front. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Zavala's all always gonna do that with the speaker. Right. And I mean in that's the uh the restoration card where he was like, No, he's the he speaks for the traveler. Um, you know, he I, I get the sense that <laughs> that that is I mean, he thinks that I get the sense that he thinks that the speaker is literally talking for the traveler. And so. Yeah, but I I still think it's weird he felt the need to say that. <laughs> like that seems to be the company line. That's you know, well, you know what I okay, mean. Okay, like, but all right. So in in context of when we hear that line or when we would see that line, it is really early in the game. We actually don't know that as a new formed guardian. That's a fair point, right? I mean, could you would you agree with that? Like, it would make sense mm-hmm, that he's explaining mm-hmm. that. So, I'll give you that one. <laughs> yes. So. uh the uh the the next card is kind of so he's kind of he's kind of summar we've been summarizing the different aspects of different pieces and per- persons in the game and obviously the taken king was a pretty big one um and so regicide is actually another one of the reports to the speaker or the traveler's observatory as it's stated here and it's from commanders of all and it says and so the king has been slain Driven out of our world, Eris and Ikora have already begun planning a way to assault the Ascendant Realm and to end the threat of Oryx once and for all. The Guardian will lead that fire team, no doubt, once they have had a chance to stop and breathe. In the meantime, we're leveraging all available hidden and awoken intelligent assets to understand the threat of the Taken army left behind. The other members of the Vanguard have begun drawing up assault plans, and I have full faith and confidence we'll see this threat put to rest as well. End quote. So, again, just another, he, he's just, you know, reporting... I mean, he basically is the Vanguard's communication bridge to the speaker. Uh, and he's just basically saying, hey, you know, this is this is a status report. We killed Oryx, uh, but we don't think he's actually dead or we know he's not actually dead. But um, hey, cool. We're going to keep going <laughs> and we'll, we'll win. We'll win this. So we've killed Oryx. We just haven't filed the the requisite paperwork. <laughs> we couldn't find the body. So, uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so that, that was that was really the the 
purpose of the regicide. Um, and then the very last card is Skyline. And I'm going to let yes. Mel that? steal that one. What is that? <laughs> Skyline is uh, one of our new areas. But any Skyline, Meridian Bay, Mars. Area designation, Skyline. Location, Buried City, Mars. The Clovis Bay Center served as a hub to several company assets across Meridian Bay and beyond. Though a transit system connects the various Bay facilities, the exact brethren of the network has been lost to time. The Vanguard intends to shed light on the mystery. After the role Clovis Brilli Tech played in Earth Siva Crisis, Commander Zavala wants no stern unturned when it comes to Golden Age conglomerate. But for now, Vanguard researchers have learned all they can from Skyline. It's Lord Shax's turn to scrutinize it. So it just goes more to him. He wants every little bit of information so he can make the best thought out plan um, on what he can do to, for his people, for the Vanguard and stuff like that. And to me, it's very interesting that I, I'm not sure if he's focused on Clovis Bray and that specifically because of the Siva crisis, or he knows that the technology put out during the golden age specifically by Clovis Bray could further pose a threat to the city, the rest of the guardians and light and all that stuff. So uh, blue, do you want to add anything else? Yeah, I was going to, I was just going to respond. I think, I think, yeah, that, that is exactly how I read that. Um, he he wants no stone unturned when it comes to the golden age conglomerate that is Clovis Bray, simply because they created Siva. Like mm-hmm. that is that's the connection for him is we need to defeat Siva. I need to know all there is about Siva. Clovis Bray created it, therefore I need to know all there there is about Clovis. You know, like it's the mm-hmm. the degrees of association is you're attached to this. I need to know this. So you're attached to this. I need to know everything about you now. Mm-hmm. like now and so that that was I lo- yeah. no go for, it, go I, for I it i love the line i love the line it's lord shax's turn to scrutinize it <laughs> like punch someone it. someone else deal with this yeah please but the um well and okay there's there's actually kind of a, a cool segue here uh there's there's a couple marks that i wanted to talk about just real quick um the first one is mark of the witness now the quote on the Mark of the Witness is from Zavala, and it's, he says, fighting your enemy helps you understand your enemy. Don't get distracted. There is also another quote, and I'm trying to find it. Ah, the Vitruvius? No, not the, not, this is, this is a, this is actually from a, uh, this is a bounty, and it's called Unfaltering. And the quote is, our enemies grant no mercy, kill without doubt. We must meet them in kind without becoming them. So this is, this is actually kind of a, a paraphrase of, there is a, there's an old quote about, you know, when you fight monsters, be careful not to become a monster yourself. Or when you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back into you. That, that really kind of speaks to Zavala's entire thing is like, he, he understands he understands the need to know everything about your enemy, but he also understands the danger of knowing everything about your enemy. Um, you know, when you're, when you're facing against an amoral or an immoral enemy, 
Sometimes, sometimes it seems the only way to do that is to throw out your morals and attack them on the ground that they stand on. But Zavala kind of tends, I, I get the feeling that Zavala would actually argue that that is actually the best time to continue standing on your, your ground and just wait and wait and wait and take, take the better, take the better approach, even though you might have to deal with attacks because you don't want to become them. That's, that's the, if, if you sacrifice everything that separates you from your enemy in order to defeat your enemy, don't you become the enemy and let the enemy win? Mm. Yeah. You could. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in an abstract sort of way, yes. I mean, so there's, there's another quote, uh, from healthy balance, which is another balance, uh, another bounty. And Zavala says, if a guardian must overextend to achieve victory, can he truly call it a victory? Yeah, because it's a victory. <laughs> I, it's, 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 yeah, it's a philosophical, it's a philosophical approach, right? Like he's basically saying, he's basically saying, if I have to become my enemy in order to defeat my enemy, that means that my enemy has won because I am no longer me. I am now him or her. Right. You lose all sense of self in order to defeat something that was threatening your yourself or your way of life. And if you relinquish what makes you, you you are no longer what you're standing for. Right. Because you're not, but but I mean, But, but if you lose all sense of self, then you have lost what you were defending in the first part. Right. So no, no. Okay, here I'm gonna make a a reference out of game real quick. This this kind of goes back to, um, God, I'm gonna mess up his name, Jubal from Serenity. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, so so he's fighting for something he believes in, but and then it's like, oh wait, no, I don't, I don't belong in this world. I'm I'm a bad person. I've been I've been yeah, fighting for this this whole time. I've become what I'm fighting against. I don't belong in the world I'm fighting for. Jubal but early. I can Jubal early, yeah. So I can actually fight for the thing and be the worst possible version of me I can be and not belong in the society I'm fighting for afterwards. Does that make sense? No, no, like, no. I I see, but that is um, that is one approach. Sure, you become well, a monster I, in order to hunt monsters. But well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Achieving the objective is achieving the objective. Like, if stopping the darkness is the objective, if you have to do some suspect stuff to do that, and it changes you one person to make that happen, isn't that a worthwhile endeavor? But if you are the spearhead for which you stand for, for everything that you fought for, and you lost yourself and the meaning of self in that battle, then now you are considered the enemy because you no longer are the person that you sustain up for, yeah. for what they believed. So uh, it makes, it makes sense. He's, it, you know, it's just kind of showing that like, if, if you, start to do things that like you say are suspect and questionable too much 
to be considered an enemy, then the enemy is winning because you're no longer fighting for what you believe is right anymore. When so yeah, when yeah, and yeah, pins right? pins, is, pins yeah. just used it. At what point does a moral stand become a moral immoral act? Right, mm-hmm. and that and that's really that's really really kind of um, the kind of the point is. I, th- I think Zavala is as much as Zavala really, really wants to to win. He also understands the danger that 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 you know a Shaq's approach, which is run headfirst into danger, um, and you know just attack everything, is not the best not the best way to do things because what happens is you lose your you lose your balance. Um, and that kind of brings me to the next mark in a way. Um, the next mark that I want to talk about is the Vitruvius mark. Uh, and I'm going to I'm going to talk a little bit in depth about this one uh, because this is a really, really cool connection uh, on top of a couple other things that Zavala is connected to as well. But the quote is the great generals and tacticians of the past have much to teach us. So yet another nod to the 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 extent to which Zavala has, has read. Um, so the interesting part for me here was that not only does this kind of explain why Zavala reads so much history and poetry and, you know, from, from the transmission, we know that he supposedly purrs over poetry when it's very well done, but not only this is this the reason, but it's a really cool thing because the name Vitruvius is actually a, it's named after Marcus Vitruvius polio. And this was a Roman author, architect, civil engineer, and a military engineer who lived during the first century BC. He is known for his, he actually wrote a multi-volume work called De Architectura. And here's, here's kind of an interesting, or here's kind of the connection point for me that was really, really fun to read. Vitruvius, when he was in the military uh, for Rome, he was, like I said, the military engineer. He was an architect, basically. And the way to re- to the way to kind of understand this position is this post was and this is a quote from uh, a a book called the Military Institutions of the Romans by a, another another Roman Flavius Vegetus Renaltus, uh, and the quote says this post was always conferred on an officer of great skill, experience, and long service, and who consequently was capable of instructing others in those branches of the profession in which he had distinguished himself, end quote. Vitruvius was basically a mentor to other soldiers, which is what Zavala is, which is what all the Vanguard mentors are. They are individuals, officers of great skill, they have great experience, and they have long service. And they are all capable of instructing others in the branches of the profession in which they have distinguished themselves. They are all military engineers, basically. And that, I just found that I found that dovetail very, very cool. Um, and I, I just had to like I, I, I wasn't actually planning on going into Vitruvius's past. But when I read that quote, I was like, this is really almost too perfect. So. Um, let me see. Oh, do we want to talk about, we talked about the meaning of the name. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to add something to the name. Yeah, go for it. So you talked about the, uh, 
from Silesia. Yeah. Yes. And then also there was a, a kind of an African. Well, South America. Uh, yeah. South American connection a little bit. Okay. And also there is a, um, a surname from Spain in the Basque region, region of Spain. It's Zabala with a B instead of a V. And it's actually derived from a Basque um, word called Zabal, meaning large or wide. And that's actually where the, where the South American or Latin surname Zavala comes from. So it means, so, it yeah. means wide? Yeah. Wide, large or wide. It's um, like a wall. It's, yeah, originally denoted someone who lived in a place in of this name in Biscay. It's derived hmm. from the Basque Zabal, meaning large or wide. It's interesting. That is really his, interesting. It, his in armor Basque, is large and wide. In the Basque me, uh, region of Spain, which if you're familiar with Spain, mm-hmm. is uh, the southern, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, southwestern. You had to ask me that. (laughs) Yeah, so that's what. Um, I just know northern northern Spain. Oh, okay. I know that's where Barcelona is. I swear. Yeah. Well, it's it's. I don't like them. I think it's more around Bilbao. Oh, okay. So, because I remember, I remember going through some of Basque country, and it was like. It was when we were on the way to Babao. So, okay. The other, can I? Are you? Are you? Are you all done? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally done. The other connection to uh, a Roman bend is obviously in the Fabian strategy. We've talked about this quite a bit. Um, I just wanted to touch on it real quick uh the fabian strategy is the auto rifle that you get if you're a titan if i remember right right isn't that the exotic auto rifle yeah it's the class specific gun yes so this is actually connection to another ancient roman who went by the name quintus fabius maximus vericosus uh in basically the fabian strategy is a military strategy where pitched battles and frontal assaults are actually avoided in favor of wearing down an opponent through a war of attrition and indirection while avoiding decisive battles the side employing this strategy harasses its enemy through skirmishes to cause cause attrition disrupt supply and affect morale Employment of the strategy implies that the side adopting the strategy believes time is on its side, but it may also be adopted when no feasible alternative strategy can be devised. Um, there, there's a really cool story of Fabius uh, Maximus and his entire development of the strategy. Uh, it was mostly to combat the invasion of Hannibal, actually, uh, into Italy, and. I, I've kind of talked about this in a couple of different podcasts, so I, I definitely urge you to go listen to those because otherwise I'll get on the tangent and won't shut up. But so that that was that's I'm going to cut myself off from talking about the Fabian strategy um, <laughs> and I'm going to actually roll into a connection to Sun Zhao and the art of war. Now, we talked about this in chat. Uh, a lot of people kind of know this. It's a little bit, it's kind of a well-known trivia fact that if you stand around Zavala 
for a long enough time, some of the idle dialogue, actually one of the idle dialogues is a paraphrasing of, um, of one of the quotes from Sun Tzu. Now, in that, in that quote was, the quote from Sun Tzu is, regard your soldiers as your children, and they will follow you into the deepest valleys. Look on them as your own beloved sons, and they will stand by you even unto death. And basically, Zavala said, I th- if I remember, I don't have Zavala's quote in front of me, actually, sadly, I completely blanked on grabbing that one, but it's basically, treat, your, treat them as your sons, and they will follow you into the dark. Um... And so that's kind of an indicator that he's read Sun Tzu. Uh, not, not only that, but we also know that he knows about Basho. So the other connection that we have to the Art of War is in a couple of the bounties, actually. Um, there is a quote for crushing victory, for, for instance. He says, Victory is good. Absolute victory dissolves morale and ensures the enemy is defeated in future encounters as well. And that is actually a paraphrasing of a, actually a couple points from Sun Tzu. Um, the I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to remember which one. I didn't. I didn't grab it. But there is a number of points within the Art of War in which Sun Tzu actually points out that he he kind of goes back and forth. He he says that sometimes uh, winning without fighting is actually the ultimate victory. But when you have to win or when you have to fight, do it. Wait until you can de- you can defeat them as quickly as possible because a drawn out war is actually very bad for a country. Um, there is another Sun Zhao paraphrase in Shields Up Bounty. Uh, the quote is, there is wisdom in forcing the enemy to come to you. Uh, there is a lot of quotes that there is a lot of discussion in the art of war about how a good general will always make sure that he is aware of the territory and that his enemy when possible is not aware of the territory. Um, and so those are, those are two of the quotes that Zavala has. Now there's an even more intriguing connection to Sun Zhao for me, at least with Zavala in that I th- I kind of get the sense that Zavala is actually the general whose Sun Zhao is describing. Um, and I don't, I don't have anything to really back that up with. Uh, I just, from what we've seen of Zavala and what I've read of the art of war and other pieces of Sun Zhao's philosophies and uh, teachings, um, Zavala really seems to be kind of like the perfect general that Sun Zhao describes. Because what he says, what Sun Zhao says is, the general who advances without coveting fame and retreats without fearing disgrace, whose only thought is to protect his country and do good service for his sovereign, is the jewel of the kingdom. He goes on to say that a good commander is benevolent and unconcerned with fame, and the enlightened ruler is heedful and the good general full of caution. So there's, there's a lot of points here. Um, Zavala is has no interest in fame. Uh, we know this because when New Monarchy, for instance, approaches Zavala and offers him a throne if he will back them, he turns them down. He tells them to go away. He retreats without fear and disgrace because we, we have instances in which he's pulled guardians back be, without any fear. Uh, the great disaster on the moon. He, 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 you know, he, as the Vanguard commander, he was part of the, the people calling them back. And he probably got a lot of disgrace from that, that disaster. Um, you know, it, 
there's a lot of cases there whose only thought is to protect his country. He is obsessed with the dream of the city. We we have multiple comments from him about how there is there is nothing that he will not do. Uh, there's a talk to Zavala quest where he says, there is no doctrine but defense. If the city is to stand, every response must be measured, every attack calculated, every body block followed by a devastating finale. If the city is to survive, it must be unquestioned. The walls must stand no matter the cost. And then he he goes on to talk about this wall that he keeps saying in another one of the talk to Zavala quotes. He says, the wall. It keeps the dream of the city intact. On the battlefield, the defender is the wall and her allies stand behind her. Um, another another one of the talk to Zavala is the dream of the city. Its walls keep it together. Its spears, the strikers, are what keep it alive. He can um he he is obsessed with the dream of the city. Uh there is there's a number of quotes from the Legend of the Titan quest where he says that, hang on real quick, let me grab it. He says, I speak often of the power of the city as a symbol, but never forget it is a real place, the home to living, breathing people, a home that would not exist without your efforts. Down below us stretches the last free city on earth, and it is here because of your strength and your deeds. Do not forget this, Guardian. It is why we are here. And then he also says... Give me one second. He also tells the Guardian, as a Titan, he says that you carry the dream of the city with you, Titan. As you step back into the wilds, always remember those of us behind the walls. We count on the strength of your shoulders. We're counting on you. He is completely obsessed with the protection of his his country, his city. Um and he's, like I said, he's not concerned with fame. He doesn't care about disgrace. He only does things for the protection of the country and for the service of his sovereign, the speaker. He only wants to do that. Um, a couple people have made comments about how Zavala doesn't really need to, you know, there's the plausible deniability of the hidden and how, but when you actually start looking at some of the ways that he regards the hidden, he actually seems to know quite a bit about what the hidden are doing and what the red jacks are doing and what Cade's doing. He knows quite a bit. Um, there's actually a connection to Sun Zhao in that as well. Sun Zhao says that secret operations are essential in war upon them. The army relies on to, relies to make its every move. So, he actually says that, you know, you have to spy on people. You you have to, because in order to actually make your movements make sense, you have to know where your enemy is going. So the hidden are doing exactly that. They're collecting information for the warlocks, but that is getting reported to Zavala because Zavala, again, is the commander. He's the person that's sitting in the temple, you know, gauging what, what, uh, what move to make next. And the last, the last kind of point that I would make for for the Sun Zhao is kind of a funny one. Uh, there's a quote that says, "For them to perceive the advantage of defeating the enemy, they must also have their rewards." Zavala is the head of the vanguard and who is responsible for passing out a lot of your vanguard marks, your vanguard gear. Um, a lot of the equipment, technically in the lore, come from the the vanguard primarily for guardians. So. 
he is actually rewarding you for, and you know, we read, we talked about that with the Vanguard marks in order to get better gear, you have to do better. You have to prove that you actually are worthy of it. Um, and then the last, the last quote from Sun Tzu that I did want to talk about is kind of an, kind of an odd one. Uh, he says, confront them with annihilation and they will then survive, plunge them into a deadly situation and they will then live. When people fall into danger, they are then able to strive for victory. Kind of a darker bend, um, because there is kind of an indication that maybe some of the situations that Zavala are throw- is throwing us into. Uh, you know, Justin, you were joking about not telling us about a turbo shank. You got confronted with annihilation. Did you survive? Most of the time. <laughs> but I mean, you know, like it's, there's there's a point at which. You know, that when you fall into danger, you're you 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 walk out victorious. There there is there is a method to the madness for Zavala. Um, the last the last quote that I do want to I want to talk about is or that we talked about in chat really was actually not from Sun Zhao. It was from an individual whose name is Edwin Markham. And it's probably actually, honestly, one of my favorite quotes. I've, I've known this quote for a really long time, but it really does, to me, describe kind of Zavala in general. And the quote goes, for all your days, be prepared and meet them ever alike. When you are the anvil, bear. When you are the hammer, strike. So that for me nice. is the summary of Zavala. He can bear when he needs to, and then when he can, he strikes. So, yeah, it's like a striker true. titan. Like a striker titan. Oh yes, that's that was true. that <laughs> was the that was the other question that we got. We actually got asked that in live chat, and I promised live chat that we were going to talk about that a little bit. So the the common question of what's up, class. Justin, what are your thoughts? My thoughts initially are defender, but I honestly, I don't forego the option that he's, that he's a dual subclass and he's a defender of striking or a striker. A striking? Um, simply a striking, like the striking, but no, uh, <laughs> unleash the striking. no. <laughs> That's what we're opening I, with Shacks next week. Yes, yes. I don't un I don't rule that out that he could be both because I mean, it does seem like he would that would be very practical to be able to throw out whatever the situation calls for, whether it's a defender or a more offensive type strat, but if I had to if you had to nail me down to one, I'm saying defender. Okay. And then Mel, what about you? Um, I think like most of the Vanguard representatives that we talked about, I, I think he dabbles in a little bit of everything. And I think almost now at this point, as a Vanguard leader, you have to you have to know a little about about all of it. Um, I would like to think that he probably means started. I think I, I want to say he probably started off as a Defender Titan initially and i think as the further he went on he definitely used striker class um 
the the fire one, which I don't do a tie, and then I'm trying to remember the hammer. I just call it hammers. I just call it the sunbreaker. Thank you, sunbreaker. <laughs> I just call it hammers. So I I would imagine he does um does do a little bit of, of all of it. So actually, yeah. I see I see sunbreaker being the only one he does not dabble in at all, and that's just because of his his uh shame at the at the whole sunbreaker kind of debacle yeah um well i'm gonna disagree um i definitely i definitely get the sense that he mains a defender uh but again you know kind of like kind of like how mel was just saying they dabble in all their classes uh there is definitely a sense that zavala has knowledge of sunbreakers uh, there are two quests that actually really kind of come to mind. Uh, one of them is knuckle branding, and the other one is the burning hammer. Uh, knuckle branding, he says, it is difficult to defend against the burning fist at close range. Sunbreakers revel in this fact, which is like, okay. So he's just kind of talking about, you know, okay. But then, but then the burning hammer kind of has an interesting twist to the statement he says the weight of the hammer soul a hammer of soul in your hand betrays the tremendous impact it makes when it strikes i can't read that as not being something that he has experienced mm-hmm. like he he is saying the weight of the hammer of soul in your hand betray he you you can't you don't talk of it like that without having to actually experience. So he, he actually has held a hammer of soul. Fair enough. Right. I mean, would that, would you agree with that? That's fair. Okay. Um, and I know we, uh, we do kind of see him, him get a little choked up with the, uh, sunbreaker quest, um, because of the whole screw up with, with the sunbreakers and how he kind of, kick them to the curb but um by and i'm going to come back to the subclasses i so what the reason why i kind of think that he actually kind of dabbles in all three so we talked about the sunbreaker the striker there's actually three three um bounties i guess you would say of of striker the first one is crash landing and he says, when a striker turns her entire body into a projectile, no one is truly safe. Uh, I kind of, in my head, can and think that he's talking about Wei Ning, just simply because her. that, yeah, her, well, not, I mean, no, yes, kind of, but also because there's a number of bound, or a number of Titan-esque quest steps that have Wei Ning's quote, and she was kind of the ultimate striker. Um and then the the next one that I have is slay enemies. And this is actually this is actually a really cool one. He says your training is progressing nicely, Guardian. The call of the striker is a difficult one, putting us on the front lines of a skirmish. Your heavy fist will turn the tide in many battles to come. So he actually identifies himself as one of the strikers that he is talking about. And then that's slay enemies. Um, the last one for the striker is an, an aptly named bounty, Speeding Locomotive. And the quote is, a charging striker presents her opponent two options, move 
or be moved. <laughs> Again, kind of think that he's talking about waning. That's just my personal reading of that. Um, and then on to Defender. The, there, there are also a couple of bounties here. I picked out three of the ones that I like. Uh, the first one is Attack and Defend. And he says, Defenders trained to personify both sword and shield at once. Then that brings us to Slay Enemies the second, there's actually a couple different slay enemies, but this is slay enemies two. Um, and he says, when people think of the c- people of the cities think of a Titan, they think of a defender as the walls hold back the darkness. The defender holds up the light, uh, which makes me think of a Saint 14 quote, but we'll talk about that later. Um, and then the last one for the defender is talk to the van or talk to Zavala. And this is actually the 36th one uh there's that many of these bounty or these quests and he says the wall it keeps the dream of the city intact and we already read this one but on the battlefield the defender is the wall and her allies stand behind her so the reason i the reason i kind of lean towards him being a primary of defender is just because of the the patient personality type that he has um I don't, I don't know. It's, it's really, that's kind of where, where I kind of lean, um, I'm trying to think there was another one. Uh Oh, in regards to him being a defender Titan. No, well, there was, there was a, um, Oh, there was, there was actually a, a, like, conversation between a defender and a warlock and it was really kind of funny oh man it it's a, i can't find it it's really annoying me oh give me one second i'm sure that i'm sure that was an interesting conversation between well, a defender was, and a warlock yeah it was it was it was just like basically the warlock was trying to make fun of the defender and was like you know why why do you why do you form a wall and the the titan's response was basically just sit there and stare at the warlock as he's like just talking and <laughs> the warlock finally winds down and the titan goes that's why like, it was just like it was really really I wore you down yeah, yeah. It, well no that's that's exactly why it was oh my gosh it was so oh i'm gonna have to i'll have to find it later but Oh, it was, it was such a funny little excerpt, but, um, yeah, that was like, it was like, that's exactly the type of personality I see with Zavala is like, just kind of sitting there waiting for you to, to just kind of get done and then, oh, okay. That's why, um, the last, the last quest quote that I want to want to say before we move to the next the new the one of the new segments that we have um is actually talk to amanda and this is uh amanda holiday's description of her first encounter with zavala and she says the first time i met zavala i was really intimidated he's kind of a lot to take in you know but then we got to talking about the city and the walls, and how we're all gonna die, and the nine hundred things that want us that want to wipe us out, and I realize he's actually much scarier than most people give him credit for. 
he is worse, much scarier <laughs> than most people give him credit for. No, I I know I would not want to come up against him in the crucible or oh, on the yeah, battlefield. And there's, there's I think quotes. he would be insane. I th- I I I think a lot of people write off Zavala as oh Zavala, you're you're hilarious. That's cute, but like. I do not doubt in a situation where he needs to be serious and bust out that fist of havoc, he will not hold back. He will wreck. So, yeah, there's there's a uh, there's a quote from Shax where he says that he he wants to get Zavala back into the Crucible to show these younglings how it was done. <laughs> I remember that quote. Yes, yes, but. Yes, so let me see. I don't think I have really, I have a ton of things, but I don't really think I have. I think it's really interesting with Zavala. We don't have very much on his life prior, as opposed mm-hmm. to when you look at Ikora and Cade. Uh, and okay, we don't have that much. Um, and we have, you know, a little, I feel a little bit more on Ikora, but we don't really know too much what transformed him or what made him him. We do, you know, we just. We do know that Ikora knew him when he was young. We know that, and yeah, and and we know who he well, studied under. Also, does that mean young? What what does that mean? Uh, young uh, guardian or young? I I took it as a young guardian because she's yeah, it's sheath, kind of it's sheathed it. in flame is the bounty, and and Ikora says yeah. a young Zavala once espoused the beauty of Sunsinger Light until he saw the full extent of its power. So like. She's talking about Sunsingers as guardians. Uh, you know, obviously yeah. Zavala wouldn't be around unless he was a guardian. Um, that was my point. We don't right. know much about him before. Yeah, I mean, we know. Whereas yeah. we do know, we do know a, a great deal about Cade before, just because of Cade's journal, right? And we know Icora, a bit. Not so a, much. Well, we know a few snippets of Ikora before she was a guardian, and we know. I mean, like we have a pretty decent summary of Ikora after she was a guard, like after she became a guardian before she was a Vanguard mentor. But I mean, yeah, little she bear in chat just brought that up too. the Sunbreaker quest definitely kind of points to the fact that he, he kind of might've had a few more, uh, towing the line moments when he was younger. I mean, and we know Ikora did. It could explain why he's so, serious and regimented now that he might have done something in the past and realized how how you can be reckless can be so damaging and maybe that's why he comes so hard down on Cade for being kind of nonchalant and kind of just like yeah it's fine it's fine and he's like no 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 it is not fine you know I I feel I, I yearn for that other little bit of information on why is he so regimented? Like, I don't feel like someone is just naturally this way. Like, I feel like there should be, there's something that had happened or he saw something or learned it from someone that would want him to be the way he is. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's, there's more to him that Mm -hmm. obviously we don't know. So. Yeah. I kind of feel like, uh, like 
Tom Hanks's character in Saving Private Ryan, where there's everyone's got like a pot going on what he was back in back in a uh, peacetime, and then at the end he tells them all he was a school teacher. <laughs> I kind of feel, I kind of <laughs> feel that's Savali. He's got some kind of origin we're not even seeing coming. Mm-hmm. Well, and we're but it's I'd- not really it's not really important that he. That well, we know it because he is what he is now. Right. Well, we it might be important if we find out that perhaps he's reefborn instead of earthborn. Yeah, the the she bearer just pointed that in the chat, and mm-hmm. then also that's one of our one of our emails that we're going to get to actually too is about okay. about him being being from the reef potentially. So, mm-hmm. do we want to go to to one of our one of our new segments? Yeah, you ready? Totally do the thing. I am ready for the thing. All right. Here we go. Mel's Costume Lore Corner. All right. Yeah. I like our new little little bumper there. I like it. It's so cool. Um, so when you look at Zavala, I mean, I, I think the first thing most people always notice on costumes, regardless of what they look like in their outfits is the colors that they're made of. And like we talked last time about Alcor, colors have incredible meaning. And a lot of times they're subconscious meanings. Like you don't really think about how much that color impacts who a person is, what they stand for, until you start thinking about it more. Um, And when you look at, at Zavala's attire, his primary colors are silver, red, and black. Obviously, black is more of just kind of a neutral tone. And while it does have its own meanings, it's I feel it's more there as a spacer to break up the other colors. So they're not so overpowering. But it is important to note that silver as a color in general indicates that it's high tech, it's modern. It's also ornate and graceful, sophisticated. So... When you apply that to Zavala, you you know that it will a it's a a space set environment, which is true. We're somewhere in our future, um, in that it is considered modern because again, I mean, we're we're not looking at some old armor, but it's also ornate. And I feel his armor is ornate, and we'll we'll go a little bit further into what I mean by that. Um, and sophisticated, which. An elegant, which to me does describe a lot about Savala's personality. Um, Lou just spent all this time going over how much he is well-read, how he knows all this stuff. And that his armor, just the color of his armor, lends to that information to show that he's just not some wandering Titan guardian and like, oh, silver, you know, cool. Like he, the colors speak so much about his personality. Red, on the other hand, most people I think know red is a color of passion. Um, It's associated with war and danger, strength, power, determination. Uh, But it also represents love and compassion. So thinking about his position as a vanguard and watcher over the city and being a Titan in general, someone that has crazy amount of power they have um they're generally the ones out on the front line of the war protecting those around them that they love that they care about and you see through a lot of the interaction that you have as zavala that he deeply cares for his guardians that he deeply cares for the city especially the city so 
it's no surprise that the main colors on his his attire are are red i mean that is a very prominent color and it's not it's not like a maroon red or a light red or a a different tonality red it is a true red blood red fire engine red that i mean that is such a very bright empowering color to have on on someone's attire um, a little about his armor. Um, we mentioned earlier that he does wear the Jovian Guard. Um, kind of going back into his the origins and a lot of the Roman references, uh, Jovian was the emperor of Rome, and he was the one that made peace with the Rome or with the Persians by giving up all of Rome to territories beyond the Tigris River. So, um, if you think about the sense that uh, what his role as a vanguard is making peace, you know, relinquishing lands to different areas, but also fighting back. So he's not giving up all his territory, creating one specific territory for which the city exists. And all the rest of the earth that is still inhabitable was given up to, you know, to the fallen, to, to the hive, to all these different enemies that we know. So, um, but it's also important to note that Jovian is another term for the god of Jove, which is also uh, Roman for Jupiter. So Jupiter was also, or not, not, Jove is not, excuse me, Jove is not Roman for Jupiter. Uh, Jove means Jupiter. Um, but Jupiter was also the the leader of the Roman gods in mythology, in Roman mythology. So he he's a leader. He is not only the leader of the vanguard and of the guardians, he's, he's leading everyone, humans and, and the rest of the civilization of earth alike. And I would almost argue to agree that he is the one that is, is telling the speaker like, Hey, this is what we're doing. Pass the word on, you know, kind of type of thing. Like he, his word is almost the word that everyone turns to in times of crisis and times of peace. So it's no surprise that he, he is considered the leader of the gods. And if you want to, for all extensive purposes, want to see the vanguard mentors as quote unquote gods that we all looked up to. Um, They are the ones that possess all three subclasses um, that we theorize. So um, why God is a very, very heavy term and I wouldn't necessarily apply it to someone like Zavala. It does have a lot of meaning and, and what his role is in terms of in relation to the vanguard in relation to the survivors left on earth. Um, on the actual armor, um, the normal Jovian armor is actually kind of blue in color, but his, his armor is actually all silver with some black accents and some red accents. But he also, instead of that normal emblem that is seen on the Jovian armor that you can get for your guardian, he has a griffin. Um, griffins are actually very, very important. And it actually talks a lot about what he does and what he is. Like, if you just, if, if you're, kind of vaguely familiar about destiny and you're familiar with that there's titans and they're hunters and there's warlocks and vaguely what each of them do um you if you see a griffin and you know about griffins griffins um stand for guarding treasures and places processions griffins are a mix between an eagle which is seen as the top predator in terms of the bird kingdom and it's also a mix of a lion and you think of the lions as the is is often referred to as a king of the animal kingdom so you have these two figures a griffin and a lion 
that embody the sense of of the topmost apex predators within their 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 area and their subclass they're not subclass but you know, you know what I'm trying to say like you know eagles are the ones that within their territory are pretty much going to rule on their food chain like no one's above an eagle except for maybe like us and a lion so but he, it it shows that he is there he he is the apex for the rest of the guardians he is the one leading he's also the one guarding which is very 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 telling of what a titan is and what titans do they guard especially if he is considered a, a defender titan um and he's always talking about how he needs to defend the city how the guardians need to help and defend all these different parts of the unknown solar system against all these evils that are fighting so um and if you want to think of, of the griffins in terms of their priceless possessions guarding over those priceless positions you can argue that the city is the most precious you know priceless possession that he has above his own life like to him that is the most important thing nothing above that is worth more to him than guarding the city so um Continuing on, just like the other classes, the when you start out with, as a Titan, and then like what we discovered last week with Ikora, um, the lower level you are, the less armor you have, the less ornate it is, the less um, um, detailed and how many different fixtures and stuff you have throughout the armor. And Zavala's armor set and his attire is very, very telling of that same type of case. He, he doesn't have, um, or excuse me, he has... A lot of a lot of armor on and it's bulky it's big it shows that he's dominant um if you look at early level low level titans they're kind of more sleek in design where higher level titans their pauldrons are go up high their chest pieces protrude more cover more of their chest their leg armor is bulkier and meatier and suggests that they're more aggressive and his armor is definitely definitely one of the most aggressive that you see in in the game so again it just tells you more about that he is an established person he has done he has told he has, he has paid his dues to where he is at now he's not just some fresh off the street got some shiny armor and is now in the vanguard leading everyone um he he earned this position um it is also of note that on his chest plate he has lines um that are different color different colors and they look like the different bars you get in the military um and that kind of goes into more about how the lines specifically on his costume indicate that he's um that it's more of a uniform for him it's not necessarily some cool looking armor where if you look at Cade, he has so many adornments on his stuff he has the ace of spades all over the place he has you know his stuff is ragtag you can tell that he he's like he's a very loud person and he, he was very much opinionated. Whereas Zavala is very much by the books. This is, you know, very regimented straight and precise path that he wants to follow. And his armor very much speaks the same way. Um, 
Another thing is of note is that uh, just like Akora, his outfit is incredibly clean. Um, if you look at a lot of the other like guardians and maybe even a little bit of the other people on the tower, if you look at Ivana and stuff like that and Mad Holiday, they're they're pretty, they're messy. Uh, they have dirt. You can tell their outfits are worn. A lot of our guardians, a lot of the stuff that we pick up, the the armor, um, a lot of it is is pretty clean looking. But I know a lot of the hunter marks, the capes are a disaster in terms, and that's the and putting it nice like they're torn up there's blood there's mud there's grit all over the place and i know a lot of titan marks also have a lot of those signs of wear and tear as well but the zavala doesn't he very much keeps his armor clean and precise there's no holes there's no tears there's no chipped off paint or anything like that and i think that it also lends to how meticulous he is as a person that every detail needs to be precise and he needs to have everything in the right right order um, in order to do his job correctly. Um, It's also very interesting that he has a very small little piece of a gold sash with the Vanguard symbol on. And the fact that it is gold, he has no other gold throughout the rest of his outfit. There's none. There's a little bit of yellow on those bars on his chest plate that I mentioned earlier, but it's just yellow. And this is distinctly gold. Um, It, Again, it lends more to his position within the vanguard that he's he's the leader. He's a almost royalty um, in the sense of that he is the one above everybody else, that he is the one to turn to. Um, another thing is we didn't really discuss that much with Ikora, but his facial expression and actually the, the different ta- tattoo patterns that he has um, on his face is really interesting. He has... Unlike the other one, you, you don't really see an Ikora and you don't really see on too many other people, but he distinctly has these furrowed like creases and wrinkles on his his forehead. And he has lines uh, on his, around his eyes and like almost like lines kind of like he doesn't get much sleep. And it, it shows that he is very serious, that he's very much dedicated to what he does, that he values everyone else in his job above his own health. Um, and you think about it, like people that squint and like furrow the brows a lot, that's how you get those lines. So he's his whole entire, like the, the structure and the texture of his skin so far in his face indicate that he's very serious, um, that he's been around for a long time. He's probably seen a lot of stuff um, just by judging by the different textures on his skin. Um, it's also interesting that the the tattoo patterns on his face, they're not mirrored like most of Woken's are. There's some pieces of it missing. Um, and then he has some scraggly lines throughout his head. And it almost kind of looks like he has scars throughout his his head. Like he's he's seen battle. And I think that lends more to that his his tenature within being a Titan and being a guardian. He's been around. He's seen things. He he has the resume to show that he is is to be there, to be the Vanguard leader. So um and his eyebrows are very serious. Like like you look at his eyebrows and they just say business and they're all business. So and um but yeah so that kind of covers most of the stronger points um throughout the attire of Zavala. Um he I mean I Overall, he looks like just a general regular Titan, um, but there is a lot of key elements through in, throughout his outfit that separate him from the rest of the pack. So, um, Blue, do we want to go to our dispatches of the wild and 
cover some of our cool yes. emails. So this is this is the next new segment that we're gonna start we're gonna start doing. Um we you know, at the end of each episode, I will say, hey, this is, you know, again, reminder, this is going to be our next topic, our next week's topic. Uh, send in um, our send in an email for that topic and we will we'll read we'll try to read as many of them as we can on the next podcast um, and answer and ask questions, you know, and stuff like that. So without further ado, we're going to jump into the next segment real quick. Dispatches from the wilds. All right. So our first email is going to be from, and I have I have this user's uh, permission to um, to mispronounce her name because I probably will. But the first email is from Kaimana Kai, Kaimana. I don't even know ng. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the last ng. Um, so here's here's the email. I am a diehard Lady Titan, and is my main character that I play. So I must always go to Hardface Zavala. Is an understatement. My question <laughs> for you, for you all, is whatever happened with Zavala and Lord Saladin? Why do they no longer get along? Thanks for all the laughs. Okay, so what? What happened with Zavala and Saladin? Um, really, honestly, with Zavala and Saladin, I don't think anything really significantly happened. Um, I think, you know, we kind of talked about that a little bit earlier. I think the main difference is between Shaxx and Saladin, um, and we're, we're definitely going to talk about that next week. Um, I think Zavala is really stuck in the middle. Between the, between the three of them, I think he is kind of trying to be the peacekeeper between the two of them, and I think he's just getting to the point where he's frustrated, and that's why it's still awkward with him because he's basically like, "You're all idiots, just get over it." Um, it all stems from Twilight Gap. Uh, that seems to be the the brunt of the discord between the three between well between Shax and Saladin, but Zavala gets along with Saladin. Uh, and Zavala gets along with Shax. Uh, they just don't get along with each other. So he's kind of the front. He's the gopher friend that, you know, Shax tells him, hey, you tell Saladin this. And then he tells Saladin tells Zavala, hey, you tell Shax that. And he kind of is the messenger boy, I think. I, that's the feeling I get. Uh, Mel, Justin, <laughs> do you have any thoughts on that one? Not really. I feel like we kind of covered it a little bit already, how he's literally in the middle trying to tell the two children to play nice, you know, type of thing. So um, I feel kind of bad for him. He's definitely that, that stuck in the middle type of friend, you know, like he wants to be friend with Saladin. He wants to be friends with Shax and he's just kind of like, can't get them all in the room to do the trust fall exercise again. So <laughs> the broken horn, the broken horn, the broken is, horn. He, Shax is never going to forgive him for breaking his helmet. I mean, no, just- I, I, I seriously think that's like in the, the whole, they did a trust fall. Like they were all having a very heated conversation on during the battle of Twilight Gap, and so Zavala said, "Okay, let's have a trust fall exercise." Since apparently there's some issues, and they did it, and Shax's helmet broke. And Saladin and, just threw his hands up, like I'm not catching you. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, and so and that's what happened. Like there wasn't actually anything going on at Twilight Gap besides this trustful <laughs> exercise. And it's funny because when you actually go up to Shax and you say, "Hey, ask me about," and he goes, "Like you wanted to probably you know the story about how I lost my horn, right?" And then you're like, "Okay, you kind of wait there, and you're like, that's a story for another day." So clearly, he's still very bitter about it, and it makes sense because he's still very bitter to Saladin. So. That's my head cannon. Oh That's my, my spin foil theory. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, our next email is from Bjorn the Fell Handed. And he says, Let me start off by saying Zavala is the chief of the fun police. Next, I have a question. Do you think that Zavala being a male awoken causes any animosity or unrest from the reef towards the Guardian and the Tower? Um, Just simply being a male awoken, no. However, we do have a a reference to Zavala as being a reefborn, potentially. Um, There is a mention from Petra, and Little Shebear in chat actually mentioned this earlier, and uh, Mm -hmm. she says... Petra mentions that the queen doesn't treat traitors lightly and quote, just ask Zavala or that fool Raul. Um, so there is kind of actually kind of a nod there that Zavala might be actually reefborn. The important thing to remember about the Awoken, uh, there's a lot of important things, but the main thing for re- mm-hmm. regards to this, this question, there are two types of Awoken. Currently there is an earthborn and a reefborn. Uh, so just being an Awoken doesn't actually mean much um because it it really mean it really what really matters is where you were born where you were quote unquote created um and so i think like i said there's there's kind of a nod that zavala might be a reefborn awoken um and if that's the case yeah i think there's some there's some animosity uh, a little bit but not not in the sense that there's going to be a lot of drama but in the sense that, you know, she kind of, I mean, Mara kind of made the point. You left. We don't, you're not, you're not part of our, our, our clan. clan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want anything to do with you. And so, you know, there's not really unrest. I would, I wouldn't say there's unrest. I would say there's just kind of disinterest with anything that has anything to do with them. Mm-hmm. So. I, I kind of get the feeling um, that a that a woken reef reefborn or woken are kind of like cats. They're kind of aloof to a lot of things, mm-hmm. and they just kind of want to be left alone. But also, um, I think it's important that they also opened the reef to guardians. And if he is actually a reefborn awoken, and he makes you wonder if he had if he pulled some of that um, pull from being reefborn, like hey guys can you do us a favor? Like, I know I left and I know you don't really like me for leaving, but hear me out. Yeah, I don't, I never got the sense that it was an external <clears throat> involvement. Like I always got the sense that if anything, uh, if anything, Varix would have more of a cause because of the, the way that he phrases the presentation of the challenge of elders to Petra. Uh, he kind of makes the point of, oh, you can play the Guardian's love for rewards off of the need to research. You know, mm-hmm. like, I I, I, got, I don't I don't think I mean, I honestly think Mara doesn't care. She she says that um, 
she i mean they gave they made they made the offer you know all the woken the woken left or whatever mara made the offer of like hey you get one chance to come home and the ones that didn't come home you know basically i get the feeling we're basically like you're dead to us like you mm-hmm. you aren't you aren't of us anymore and so i don't but i don't think she wastes any uh but she doesn't lose sleep over the them now i also see i also see some animosity now i see i do see some like snarkiness with raul and zavala towards the reef like raul has some really fun quotes about the cryptarchy the reef cryptarchy just the same as the reef crypt uh oh what's his face um Oh. He looks like Zavala, but not Zavala. Yeah, he looks no, like he could oh be Zavala's kid. <laughs> what is his name? I never go to him because he's always such a munch about deciphering thing. Oh my gosh, I'm so I bad. His name. But anyways, the the Reef Cryptarch also has really snarky comments about Ro- like there's there's totally a competition going between the the Reef Cryptarchy and the Tower Cryptarchy, and then. Uh, Ives, thank you, little she bear. Ives is the <laughs> the tool out on the reef, um, and then Tyra is the the, the fell winters, and she's just like, I don't care. I founded this. Go away. Like that's like she's like, I don't just. Leave me. I just want to write the story of the Iron Lords, but um, <laughs> so like there's there's total like between the people who are not up in the upper echelons of the Awoken matriarchy. I definitely get a sense of, oh, we're better than you. And then, like, no, we're better than you. Like, that little passive-aggressive cattiness. Because um, I think Zavala has some snark towards the reef, too, if I remember right. I don't remember any particular quotes off the top of my head, but I, I seem to remember he has some uh, some cutting remarks there as well. So, animosity towards the tower from the queen? No, not really. Uh, there is... There is, I think, some snark from the tower to the reef, but I don't think that I don't think it is. Um, I don't think it's enough to to impact anything that, especially Zavala. I don't think that influence emotion doesn't really seem to influence a lot of what he does. As you can see from the Sunbreaker quest, he he was pretty emotional in the Sunbreaker quest, but he still made the hard call and did what he did. So mm-hmm. he's like, I have no time for petty emotions. Yeah. I feel has, like that's has, something he would say. He has no. <laughs> what was it? He has no time for anything softer than iron. Yes, yes, the very first one that we read tonight. So yeah. that's very appropriate. So. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you guys for sending in those letters. I, yes, I know yes. I'm, I'm liking these because we get to answer cool questions that sometimes these like they're actually asking stuff that we haven't thought of. So very cool. Keep sending that stuff in, guys. All right. Well, final comments. Uh, I'm going to just jump right in here. Uh, like I said, email topic for next week is going to be Lord Shaq's and the red jacks let's just toss the red jacks in there because they're kind of fun um Mm -hmm. we're talking about that in the discord chat right now uh we're having we're having a lot of fun on that one uh so lord shacks and the red jacks will be the email topic for this next week a note 
um, for next week, we are actually uh, going to be recording on Tuesday, the 15th, instead of Wednesday. Um, there's a schedule conflict that I have with the last half of the week, and so we're going to move it to Tuesday night instead of Wednesday night. Um, and Mel, I think you were you're you're not here next week right no i'm not here next week i have a a job down in vegas next week okay. and it's literally on the 15th at night so uh, you know it happens you, Reali- some and you lose some yeah real so. life real life has has implications. schedule that like i said like we said at the beginning of the show you know we are we are moving to a friday night because of scheduling um just to make it a little bit easier on everybody so we're definitely mm-hmm. hoping that that means less variations in the long run. Uh, it'll be a bit interesting to get used to that new schedule, but I think in the long run, it definitely will will make it easier Help. for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what about what about you? Do you got any shout outs or final final statements? Um, I don't have too many shout outs right now, um, but yeah. So, but thank you guys. Thank you for chat for being here. You guys are awesome. Again, thank you for blue and justin for having me and blue for he's he's let's be honest here blue does a lot of our the work here so thank you blue for for doing she's, all the work she's that just you do. happy that i i made her an audio buffer or audio oh buffer. i know i love my audio buffer thank you <laughs> so um and those of you who have been sending emails please keep sending those emails in um so that way we can do them on the air. And it doesn't like if you again, if you guys have any questions regarding like um, the costume lower corner, like you're like, hey, Mel, I saw this on their outfit. What does it mean? Please send that email in to you um, and we'll be happy to answer it, too. So but um, a very big shout out because um, Friday is Veterans Day. So mm. um, I come from a family of vets. My dad served in during the Vietnam era and my dad's dad sir and all that jazz so um thank you all veterans current and um that from the u.s service men and women so thank you thank you for your service we appreciate it thank you yes that mm-hmm. i was gonna i was actually gonna inter- re reinterject as well after that but yes thank you for all that you do um we really we really appreciate everything um you know regardless of Regardless of the opinion of last last night, I guess last night, right? Was it? Yeah, it was last, last night. night. It's hard to believe, right? I yeah, like it, was, it was like days ago. Yeah. <laughs> regardless, regardless of regardless of your opinion on who won, uh, I, I I really don't don't care. Um, not not because I don't care, but because we've built this as kind of a safe zone from that. We come here to escape reality in a way. But regardless mm-hmm. of that, we, I, you know, I personally really, really appreciate the, the freedom to do that. Um, and right. I, and I completely understand that that is only there because of what our veterans and our, you know, our active service members, because of what they, what they put on the line every day, just doing what they do. Um, so yeah, regardless of, regardless of what side of the aisle you are on, be sure to be sure to you know do what you can to give thanks to those people who li- I mean literally put their lives on the line to give you yeah. the ability to do what you were doing. So mm-hmm. yeah, thank you for your sacrifice. So we have our freedoms. So. Yeah, thank so you. that I have the freedom to complain about <laughs> everything because 
let's be honest and, and do it and do a, bo- a podcast just yeah about yeah a video know, game. I, yeah exactly exactly i would not be yeah, exactly i mean i can go on i I've, i have a lot of friends who are in the services or who were in the services and it's every day it's like you know it's just there's something going on that i'm like i'm constantly reminded of hey we couldn't do this you know we wouldn't be allowed to do this in most countries um mm-hmm. so thank you that that is yes. really it's a really a heartfelt thing um thank you and that's that's kind of what where i'm gonna where i'm gonna roll into the wrapping up of chat so with that we will begin to wrap the chat up thank you again to those over on twitch for coming to spend their evening with us if you'd like to join us please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focus fire chat links to all our sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes or through email as well. Reminder, we are going to have that slight shift in our schedule starting in December due to some schedule conflicts and a desire to actually be functional at our day jobs. We're going to be moving the live stream of the podcast to Friday nights. We will still start up around 10 p.m. Central, but hopefully this is going to give us some more flexibility, not just for ourselves, but also for any guests that might be in different time zones as well. This means, what this means is that instead of the audio hitting Podbean and other services on Thursday morning, it will be available early Saturday morning Central. So please let us know if you have any thoughts or concerns on that change, either through Discord or through an email. Be sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on the guardiansofdestiny.com as well. So, until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. <laughs>